Humanizing History is a show about people in history that have had an impact on our world. We will be exploring what made them important, but our main focus will be on who that person was outside of well-known records. We will be diving deep into who these people were, what they hated, who they loved, and other less-known information about their lives. In order to show the world that no one is perfect, we are all humans and make mistakes, but that doesn't mean we can't be great and have a profound impact on tomorrow. Welcome to Humanizing History. I'm Cliff Boone. And I'm Nick Downey. Nick, how are you? Doing really good. Had the day off for Columbus Day, which is a day not many people get off. But yeah, yeah so it's been a nice, relaxing day. I work for the state government and I had to work today. Interesting. Yeah. Were your, were your students and everything? Students were are gone, teachers are gone, but tech guys are there. Oh. <laughs> well. So I'd like to give a huge shout out to Elsie Bella. She was the lady that you heard doing our intro today. She is a singer-songwriter, and um, yeah, I put a request out on Reddit asking for some people to send their recordings in to us, and she was the very first one. She gave us that beautiful recording in the beginning, so thank you very much, Elsie. Go check her out. She's on YouTube. Beautiful voice, amazing singer. Yeah, I just listened to her today, and song called Mystery, I think it was, and I really enjoyed it, so I'm excited to, to listen to a little bit more of her, but thank you, Elsie. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, to everybody else who gave us your recordings, I appreciate them. They will be in the order that we receive them on our podcast, so we, we get a bunch of them. So keep listening. You will be on there. We appreciate it. And one thing is, yeah, we really do appreciate it, and we're going to try to get as many on as possible. Now, we there are some that may not make the cut. Reason for it is... Sometimes sound quality doesn't always transfer the greatest, so uh, if, if we have to cut something, we do apologize. But keep them coming. We're really excited to have you guys be part of the show. Absolutely. Okay, Nick, so this is my, my turn this week to cover somebody from history, and I had a hard time doing this because the person I chose is a dictator who had a fascinating life, um, but they were still a dictator, and I right, had... Right, it's in their. It's the first part of their name, is a yes. dictator, so... <laughs> so I had a real hard time finding any real redeeming qualities about this individual. Right. So I went almost the entire week doing research, watching documentaries, writing up uh, our report on it, and realizing I can't find anything good to write about this person. Right, which is kind of the whole point of our podcast, is yeah. to have good redeeming qualities. Absolutely, so... I ended up on Saturday nixing that idea and rushed real quick to find another person and get everything written up on them. God bless you. That's... <laughs> Luckily, my wife was gone away for the weekend. Luckily. <laughs> my son had a, has a switch, so uh, his aunt's here for the time also, so she was able to kind of take him. They played you know, Mario Party together, so yeah. I had time to devote to the podcast. So I did end up finding a new person, okay. um, someone who was not a dictator. Okay. And shout out to my mama, Debbie, for the idea. She's going to be super happy about this. We're going to be covering today Audie Murphy. I have no idea who that is. Okay. So I didn't either. Uh, my mom called me one day and we were talking. Call your moms. Your mom loves you. And we were, we were talking. And she brought up Audie Murphy. She's like, oh, he's a super, super guy. You know, you should do a podcast about him. I'd never heard of him. 
I started looking him up, mm-hmm. and he is amazing. I'm blown away that he's not more famous than he is. So to start off with, Audie Murphy was born June 20th, 1925, in Kingston, Texas. Okay. And this is a small town. Like I think, I want to say back in the 40s, it had a population of like 2,000 Oh, people. wow. Okay, like so very, very small. small. Yeah. He was the seventh of 12 children. Something I've really noticed. 12 kids. 12 kids. My God. Most of them didn't make it okay. to adulthood. Okay. Which is sad. I feel like we've seen that. So, it's one of those things where I think now we think that's crazy. But that must have been normal back then. Because I feel like many of the people that we have early 1900s and earlier all, you know, didn't have family that made it past adulthood. So, in all the podcasts we've done, how many of them had, have had one or two kids? None. They've all I, I had four. a ton. Henry Ford had one. Right. But that was it. Everybody right. else had multiples. And I want to say that I've heard that before, that people kept having kids because they needed them to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the mortality rate was so high. Right, right. Only a small, unfortunately, only a small fraction of your, not a small fraction, but a fraction of your kids would, would make it. Yeah. Which, that's crazy. Today, I would say the majority of kids that people have, at least in the United States and in, you know, first world countries, would be fine. Yeah. So his father drifted in and out of their life, uh, most of their childhood. Okay. Before he finally just completely left. Because of this, Audie left school in fifth grade and began working as a cotton picker. He made about a dollar a day. Oh, geez. Okay. Which, in today's money, is $20 a day. That's still extremely low. That's nothing. No, you can't live off of that. Absolutely not. I've spent $20 yesterday at Sam's Club on sparkling water. (laughs) Like, wow. (laughs) So... But he did that to help his family because they only had the one income from his mom and right. they needed the extra money with, you know, 12 kids. So another way that he helped his family was he was amazing with a rifle. This, there was nothing this guy couldn't hit. And like, after going through all this, this is the only thing him and I have in common. Is I'm a good shot. He's a, okay. an amazing Cliff shot. Cliff is an okay shot. <laughs> Don't let him fool you. you. <laughs> You were there that day. When what happened? We went coyote hunting one day. Oh, yeah. With, uh, it was Nick, myself, and some a few other friends. Right. We didn't get a coyote, so we decided we'd go shooting afterwards. One of the guys that was there had a little 380 LCR. Oh, little yeah. little tiny pistol. And he's, well, he had a 9mm. He was trying to shoot a shotgun shell out of a tree. And I'm like, oh, come on. you That's easy to hit. I'll do that with your little 380. And so he handed me a gun. I've never shot before in my life. And I was about, what, 12 feet? Yeah, I'd say that's about right. Yeah. And one shot. Bam. I do remember that. Shot tree. I, that, yeah, that was a long time ago, but yes. <laughs> it was. So that's, that's like the only thing him and I have in common. Other than that, we're both male, but everything else is completely different. So he's a good, upstanding citizen. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> His mother passed away when he was only 16. Okay. Due to endocarditis. It's an inflammation of the inner layer of the heart. Okay. Which led to pneumonia and other issues and ended up passing away because of it. So by 16, no parents. No parents by the age of 16. That's crazy. And where was he? Was the 6th of 12? The 7th. 7th, okay. Yes. So he still had probably... So he had siblings younger than him that he probably had to take care of. He did, yes. He stated later on in life, She died when I was 16. She had the most beautiful hair I've ever seen. 
It reached almost to the floor. She rarely talked, and always seemed to be searching for something. What it was, I don't know. We didn't discuss our feelings, but when she passed away, she took something of me with her. It seems I've been searching for it ever since. Ooh, that's rough. And that just hit me hard. Yeah. Anybody who's lost a parent can say how hard it is to lose a parent. Yeah. At that age, again, I don't know what you would do. I'd be totally lost. Right. Especially when you, you know, he had a father that wasn't there. So she was literally his everything. Absolutely. And having that just ripped out of your life, I can only imagine that that would severely affect him. And and I don't know what his future's like, which you'll tell us later, but I could imagine that that would dictate a lot of what he does in the future. Well, a lot of people could use that as, you know, a reason that they go off the deep end. Mm -hmm. He chose the opposite. Right. Now, at 17, right after his mom passed away, he made a decision. He wants to be in the military. Okay. So, he always wanted to be a soldier. And after the sucker punch that we call Pearl Harbor, he decided to enlist. Okay. However, he was an inch too short and a year too young. So, he was turned away from the Marines. So, there's a height. I did not realize that there was a height requirement. requirement. Now, you and I both make this easily. Right. But it's five foot five inches. Geez, so this guy was tiny. He was five foot four. Wow. I'll tell you what, though. This guy is... You think about, oh, it's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. Yeah. This will echo in your mind while you read this. Okay. While I read it to you. With the help of his sister, he falsified a document saying that he was 18 instead of 17, and he was able to be accepted into the U.S. Army. He wanted Marines, and I'm sure after this they wish they would have had him. Right. But he ended up joining the army. Okay. Almost immediately, he began earning medals. While he was still in basic training, he earned the marksmanship badge with rifles and the expert badge with rifles and bayonet. Oh, wow. Okay. So this dude... Does it say where he learned how to shoot? Was he a hunter? It didn't say where he learned it. Okay. Um, but it did say he's been hunting from a young age. Okay. I would assume so. He's I just hunting. didn't realize... Yeah, I didn't know. I would assume his dad... Cause it, but who knows? Right. Maybe his dad was a decent human being for the first five or six years <laughs> of his life. So Murphy was shipped to Casablanca in the French Morocco, February 20th, 1943. Okay. He participated as a platoon messenger with his division at Algeria training for the Allied assault landings in Sicily. Okay, so what is that? Just messages back and forth from... I think that he runs messages between different platoons. Gotcha. So the, hey, you know, you need to go give this to our sergeant across there. Gotcha. He's the guy to do it. Makes sense. He's short and fast, you know? Okay. No, it makes sense. And now that, now I'm thinking Band of Brothers, and I I remember those people that would run from group to group. Yeah. Must have been one of those. While I was doing this, all I could think of was, what's a Tom Hanks film? Saving Private Ryan. Saving Private Ryan. Because that film still sticks with me. I have, I saw that once in high school. I need to watch it again. I don't remember much of it. Oh, it's so the only one, okay, the only part of that movie I remember is Nate Fillion, who's one of my favorite actors. He has a very small scene where he starts like bawling that his brother died, uh-huh. and his brother's like eight years old or something like that, and like can't. Do you remember that scene? No. Oh my gosh, it's a really just small scene where they're talking about you know Private Ryan, and this guy just starts crying and like hysterical. And then they find out that this guy, there's no way this guy's brother is actually the right person. It, it, go back and watch. And that's the only scene I really remember. I have no idea why. I have but... the movie, so I'll watch Okay. <laughs> right after the assault landings in Sicily, he was promoted to private first class and then to corporal, 
like almost immediately. Wow. So he he was promoted to the private first class May seventh, corporal July seventeenth. Jeez. Like he's mowing through the ranks. Is he still eighteen at this point? So this is still nineteen forty three. Yeah. So I guess he would be eighteen. Yes. Okay. When the third infantry landed in Sicily, Murphy was a division runner. And on a scouting patrol, he killed two fleeting Italian officers near Cancutty. So those are the first two people he killed. Okay. Out of many. Okay. We're going to learn about a lot. Okay. Murphy participated in the mainland Salerno landing at Batapaglia in September 1943. Okay. Apologies in advance. A lot of these are French and Italian, and I'm going to butcher them. We need to take like a French, Italian, any any language that isn't English. We really need to be, get better at that. Yeah, we could do Spanish. Like I speak a little bit of Spanish. A little but bit, it's, you know, white well, guy Spanish. That's because we're in the Southwest. We just inherently pick it up just from yeah. living here. Hola, amigos, <laughs> me llamo Juan. Like I still know the the song from high school. While he was on a scouting party along the Volturno River, he and two other soldiers were ambushed by German machine gunners. The Germans fired and killed one soldier. Murphy and the other survivor responded by killing five Germans with grenades and machine guns. Wow. So they were ambushed, and they said no. You know, they started hucking grenades at them and just firing back, and they killed them. Wow. They won that mission. While taking part in the October Allied assault on the Volturno Line, he and his company repelled an attack by seven German soldiers, killing three and taking the other four prisoner. So he was promoted again to sergeant on December 13th. So within one year. Wow. Yes. And it just keeps going. This dude climbs a ladder like he's on crack. January 1944, Murphy was promoted again to staff sergeant. This is a month later. January 29th, he participated in the first battle of Cisterna and was made platoon sergeant following that battle. Holy cow. While taking shelter from the weather in an abandoned farmhouse, March 2nd, Murphy and his platoon killed the crew of a passing German tank. He crawled out alone, close enough to destroy the tank with grenades. Crawled, oh, just hands and knees on his belly out to destroy a tank. And you said when was this? This was in March. So he's crawling, it's probably snowy, freezing. it's probably freezing, and he gets close enough to destroy it with grenades. And yes. you got to realize... Yes, tanks have evolved so much from then, but that's still not an easy feat. It's not like one grenade's going to... Well, yeah, and the tank wasn't by itself. There were other Germans, right. you know, soldiers with it. He he didn't care. He got on his belly and crawled up there, and bam. For doing that, he received a Bronze Star. Wow. During the first wave of the Allied invasion into southern France, Murphy received the Distinguished Service Cross on Yellow Beach near Ramatuel. I think. Murphy's platoon was making its way through a vineyard when the men were attacked by Nazi soldiers. He grabbed a machine gun and started returning fire at the German soldiers, killing two and wounding one. Holy cow. Two Germans left out of the house and acted like they were going to surrender. Murphy's best friend went to respond to them, and they pulled on him and shot and killed him. Oh, jeez. Murphy advanced by himself after that on the house under direct fire and killed six of them, wounded two of them, and took the other 11 prisoner. How does one man take 11 people prisoner? <laughs> by himself. And like I said, this guy's five foot five. This guy, he's not exactly average. This sounds like 
you've seen the Captain America movies, right? Oh, yeah. Love Captain America. So before he gets the steroids or, you know, whatever, to turn him into Captain That's America, what this guy I'm like. thinking Steve Rogers is, is the tiny person, and then, holy cow, but he's, he's like, he, has, he, he, he is Captain America before, this is a, incredible. Absolutely. How does and how have I never heard of this guy? That's what I thought reading through this. I don't know how, with as patriotic as we are, I'm blown away. I've never heard that's of him. That's insane. Before. This guy should be taught in history classes. A hundred percent. Murphy was with the first battalion, fifteenth infantry regiment, during the August twenty seventh and twenty eighth offensive at Mont Lemar. They're the ones that secured the area from the Nazis. Along with other soldiers who took part in this battle. He received the Presidential Unit Citation, another medal. Now, his first Purple Heart was for a, a heel wound he received in a mortar shell blast on September 15, 1944, in northeastern France. Okay. His first Silver Star came after he killed four and wounded three Nazis at a machine gun position October 2nd at Loamet Quarry in the Cluri River Valley. Never mind. Sorry, I'm really bad with medals. What is the... You said is the silver what? This was the silver star. Silver star. And yes. y- you don't know what that... I can look it up, but I don't know. Okay. That's fine. Don't worry about it. But, uh, yeah, that's one thing I've got to learn more about. You know, all I know is the, the Purple Heart. That's where you're either... Unfortunately, you either... Wounded or pa- killed. Yeah, man. wounded or killed. He has three of them. So, and clearly he didn't... <laughs> Well, I don't know. Maybe he did die from not later from on. any of these. Okay. No, they could not kill this guy. So three days after that, Murphy crawled alone towards the Germans, carrying only a radio and his rifle, directing his men for an hour while Germans fired on him. That's insane. It was nuts. So is is he super stealthy, or do they? Know? So it sounds like they're seeing him and shooting him. No, they're shooting at, at him. him. They know he's there. He just had this air about him. It's almost like in Pulp Fiction, where Jules is like, that was divine intervention. He came out with a hand cannon. You've never seen Pulp Fiction? Okay, so I've seen it once. And it was super late at night, and I had a buddy who got really offended by the movie and walked out. And so I never finished it. And so that's why Pulp Fiction, unfortunately, I know it's a great film, and I really do want to see it. I have never finished it. Okay, Two guys break in. They, they go into an apartment to receive items back for their boss. Okay. A guy comes out of the bathroom with like a forty-four Magnum, huge revolver. Okay. Feet away from them, shoots six times and misses every single time. Okay. Jules, when a character, he's like, you know what happened? That was divine intervention. Oh, okay. So that's it's almost. Is like this like this. right before Samuel da- Jackson does the the fake yes. biblical yes monologue? Correct. This is right before okay. that. Okay. Minutes before. Okay. So it's like that because he, I don't know if it was bravery or what, he just said, no, this isn't going to happen. I'm going to go do something about this. Mm -hmm. And no matter how much they shot at him, they could not kill him. That's insane. So for his actions there, he earned the Bronze Oak Leaf Cluster for his Silver Star. He was awarded the Battlefield Commission to 2nd Lieutenant October 14th, which then elevated him to platoon leader. While en route to, I apologize... Brovilleers on October 26th the 3rd platoon of Company B was attacked by a German sniper group Murphy captured two men before being shot in the hip by a sniper he then returned fire and shot the sniper between the eyes (laughs) 
With what? Was it was he also his rifle. So I So we've got a trained sniper who can I, I don't want to say can only hit him in the hip, but hits him in the hip and he's just like, Oh, whatever, I'm better at sniping with a rifle than you are. Yeah. That's insane. And between the eyes, man. Okay, so you wonder how accurate these stories are. Is this like a fishing trip where I caught a 32-foot, you know, largemouth bass, you know, like, or regardless, this is insane. History is written by the victors. Right. I'll say that. This is in his memoirs. Okay. Take it for what it is, but I don't know. It seems like too much coincidence for all this not to happen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So after being shot in the hip, he was taken back to a hospital where the doctors had to remove gangrene from his hip. Oh, geez. Which is never fun. No. Because of this, it caused partial loss of his hip muscle and kept him out of combat until January the following year. Okay. Which is just a few months. This is where he received his first bronze oak leaf cluster for his purple heart. Okay. First, I'm first not going to lie. I have no idea what that means. So. I don't either. Okay. I'm, neither one of us were in the military. Right. Um, I know I have family members that were in the military, but I've never talked to them about medals before. Mm-hmm. So this is lost to me. Yeah. If anybody out there knows what these are, you know, feel free to comment them and get them out there, you know, whether that's on Facebook or Reddit or whatever. We'd love to learn more about these. So the Colmar Pocket had been held by German troops since November 1944. On January 14th, 1945, Murphy rejoined his platoon, which had moved to the Colmar area. He moved with the 3rd Division on January 24th to the town of Holzwer, where they faced a strong Nazi counterattack. He was wounded in both legs. Again, he received the second bronze oak leaf cluster for his Purple Heart. As the company awaited reinforcements on January 26th, he was made commander of the company <laughs> while wounded in both legs. That's insane. Was he, so he was made commander, so was he active and fighting or was he in the hospital wing or? He was still there okay. in the Colmar area. Okay. So I imagine he was just wounded. They had bandaged his legs and they're like, oh, hey, by the way, your commander. Your commander. So right around here, the Germans had scored a direct hit on an M10 tank destroyer. Okay. Which is exactly what it sounds like. Tank destroyer. Okay. Makes sense. It lit on fire, forced the crew to abandon it. They all jumped out. Now Murphy, as commander, ordered his men to retreat to positions in the woods while he remained alone at his post with only his M1, his carbine, and a radio, which he used to direct artillery on the Nazis. That's insane. Oh, it gets better. Murphy then mounted the abandoned burning tank destroyer and began firing its 50 caliber machine gun at the advancing Germans, killing a squad that was crawling through the ditch towards him. So for an hour, Murphy stood on this flaming tank destroyer, shooting Germans as they were shooting at him. This sounds like a combination of Rambo and Mission yeah. Impossible. <laughs> it's... Nothing nothing can kill the dude. And he's just fearless. Th- yeah. This 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 can't be real. Are you sure this guy is like... 100%. That is insane. Yes, and this is documented. What's even better is he's standing on a burning tank, shooting this 50 cal. And this is. This is Captain America and Rambo. They had a baby. Mm-hmm. And Audie Murphy's his name. Yeah. He's standing on this burning tank destroyer, shooting his machine gun at him. He killed or wounded 50 Germans here. So now during this... He did get shot while he's, you know, Rambo on the on mm-hmm. the flaming tank destroyer. 
but he only stopped shooting after he ran out of ammunition. Oh, jeez. Now, from here, he jumped off the tank destroyer and returned to his men who were still in the woods. Now, disregarding his own injury, he led them back to repel the Germans. Like, so he's like, let me just mow all these guys over. Yes. Let me grab you now that we're a little bit more safe and let's go. Yes. I know I've seen, said that's insane so many times in this podcast. That, that's ridiculous. It totally is. This reads like a superhero comic. It really does. He insisted on staying with his men while his wounds were being treated. Because he didn't want to get shipped back to a hospital, get gangrene again, right. be out of commission for four months. For his actions, he was awarded the Medal of Honor. Okay. Which I believe that's the highest honor that you can receive from the military. Now, the 3rd Infantry Division was awarded the Presidential Unit Citation for its actions at the Colmar Pocket, giving Mercy a bronze oak leaf cluster for the emblem. Oh, wow. This guy, <laughs> one after the other. Was there a medal that he didn't win? No. So he literally had every single one? I, I think it was every medal that you can get for bravery, or he got. That's insane. And I'll read them to you in just a minute. He even got medals from other countries. Wow. For his service in World War II. Wow. On February 16th, Murphy was promoted to first lieutenant and was awarded the Legion of Merit for his service from January 1944 to February 1945. He was moved from the front lines to a regimental headquarters and was made a liaison officer. Murphy received every U.S. military combat award for valor available for the United States Army. For his World War wow. II service. Every single one. I'd be interested to see how many people have ever done that. No, none. He's the only He's person. He's the only person. Yes. Oh my goodness. When he was being given the Medal of Honor and the Legion of Merit, he was asked why he seized the machine gun and took on an entire company of German soldiers. He replied, they were killing my friends. Yeah. I think there's just some people that are wired that way. Yeah. Well, they're, the, they're the ones that stand up to the bullies. They're the ones that they see injustice and they they want to stop it and there's Absolutely. nothing that's going to stop them and they're just fearless yeah and i envy those people because there are times where i am 100% like that where you know if you were to lay a hand on my wife on my son on any of my brothers i would Game absolutely over. go nuts like see red and we're done oh yeah but this guy just did that on a constant basis and would and it sounds like he would do it for anybody and he signed up to do it mhm yeah. And he forged documents. <laughs> that was one thing that I thought was crazy. Can you imagine trying to forge a document these days? Oh, it'd be so difficult. It'd be impossible. Well, back then, she probably just, like, drew over a number and, oh, no, that's an eight, not a seven. Right, right. Like, Here's okay. his real birth certificate. Yeah. That was a fake one, you know? <laughs> Bully. <laughs> so, overall, these I'm going to list his medals here. Okay. Medal of Honor. Okay. Distinguished Service Cross. Okay. Silver Star with Bronze Oak Leaf Cluster, twice. Okay. Legion of Merit, Bronze Star with V, Device, and Bronze Oak Cluster, twice. Okay. Purple Heart with two Bronze Oak Leaf Clusters, three times. Presidential Unit Citation with First Oak Leaf Cluster, twice. Okay. Army Outstanding Civilian Service Medal, Good Conduct Medal, American Campaign Medal, European-African Middle Eastern Campaign Medal with one Silver Star, which counts as five medals. Oh, jeez. Four Bronze Stars and one Bronze Arrowhead Service. I'm sorry, Arrowhead Device. World War II Victory Medal, which I don't think they gave out World War II loser medals. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can just see a podium of people. 
America, Britain, uh, Austria, Japan, get... <laughs> Germany. Uh. It's, oh, this is going to sound bad. It's not a medal. It's just a noose. Like, here you go. <laughs> Might as well have been. Some of them got a noose. Some of them got invitations to come over to America and be scientists. Army of Occupation Medal with Germany Clasp. Armed Forces Reserve Medal. Marksmanship Badge with Rifle Component Bar. Expert Badge with Bayonet Component Bar. Good Conduct Medal. These are the medals that he got from other countries. The French Legion of Honor. Grade of Chevalier, which I think is Knight. Okay. French Croix de Guerre with Silver Star. French Coe de Guerre with Palm. Belgian Croix de Guerre with 1940 palm, and the French Fourageur in Colors of the Croix de Guerre. Okay. I apologize. Yes, because we have some French listeners out there. So. And some German listeners. And some German listeners. Yes. Any Polish? I don't believe so, not Oh, yet. man. They probably just grouped him with the, with the German ones. <laughs> I'm sorry. So that was his war. That was life for Audie Murphy for a few years. That's incredible. That's he's getting all these medals, and it's not even he's not even a career man yet. No, he literally is just in World War II. Yes, that's insane. With the conclusion of the war, Audie retired from the military, and he was put on the cover of Life magazine. Okay, for obviously his bravery. Yeah, all the medals he won. He was on the cover of Life magazine. James Cagney saw him and decided to bring the most decorated soldier to Hollywood, mm-hmm. turn him into a star. Okay. Cagney and his brother William signed him as a contract player for their production company and gave him training in acting, voice, and dance. Now, they never cast Murphy in a movie, and a personal disagreement ended the associ- their association in 1947. Murphy later befriended David McClure, who helped him write his book in 1949, To Hell and Back. These were the memoirs about World War II that detailed the events that led him to receive all of his medals. So everything we just went over... That was all from his book. Yeah. It's interesting to see. When I think of actors, I think of people typically that have... That's been their life goal. But I feel like recently you're starting to see like comedians comedians come actors. Or like The Rock. You know, he wasn't an actor. But stuff like that has been happening since the beginning of Hollywood. Which yeah. is interesting. They see this guy. Oh, he's famous. He'll be the, you know, the next... At that point, what? Humphrey Bogart or whatever he... Unfortunately, it didn't work out, but wow, you wouldn't have think that, thought that marketing was like that back then. But it's always been about the money, getting those 100%. eyeballs on, on the stars. I, I could totally argue that The Rock was an actor. That's true. <laughs> That's true. I'm probably going to offend some people out there. I do not understand how anybody can watch wrestling and take it seriously. Now, Olympic wrestling, that's a completely different story. But like WWE, I had two roommates that would watch it. And I'm just sitting there going... How? Like, how is this fun to watch? And why are you getting so, like, into this? It's it's a, a male soap opera. It really is. I don't understand it. When I was a kid, I watched it, and I was all about The Undertaker. I'm like, oh, yeah, he's the best. And then I turned 12, and I'm like, oh, this, is, this isn't real. Right. And that's the thing is, I think it's great for kids. You know, I can totally understand somebody who doesn't fully understand... That the difference between life, you know, real life and, and a fake story, to enjoy that. But I see grown men screaming at the top of their lungs for something that is already <laughs> fixed. But, okay, wow, I'm way off topic. 
We can go forward. I give you permission. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's entertainment. Yeah, so, totally. And that's the whole thing. They're acting. Yeah. People need to understand it. it's not real. Yeah. Just like reality TV, it's all scripted BS. Yeah. So David McClure was a little bit more connected than Murphy, obviously. So he helped him to get a small role in his first movie called Texas, Brooklyn, and Heaven. It was a romantic comedy in 1948. Now, Murphy appeared in 44 movies, produced two movies, and he wrote one. He also appeared on quite a few TV shows, a bunch of documentaries, and even played himself in the movie adaptation of his book, To Hell and Back. Okay. So, is it anything, any major movies, anything that I would know of? I know that was a long time ago, but are there any... The biggest movie he was in was To Hell and Back. That okay. was his... About his life. played himself. The second largest one that some people have probably heard of is The Red Badge of Courage. Okay. I've never heard of it, but okay. Okay. It, it wasn't huge. It was loved by critics, but hated by the public for the most part. It was very low rated by people. Gotcha. So like the Academy Awards where you have no idea what these movies are, but they're winning awards. Okay. Makes yeah. sense. He, he would have won. Okay. <laughs> so Murphy had a very stable career as an actor. He never made a ton of money, but he had consistent work. His last film was eerily titled A Time for Dying. Oh, wow, okay. Aside from acting, Murphy also wrote quite a few country songs in the 1960s. Okay. His biggest hit was called Shutters and Boards, which was recorded by Porter Wagoner, Jerry Wallace, Jimmy Dean, Teresa Brewer, and a few other artists. Wow, okay. So this guy really could do it all. Yeah, absolutely. He was a war, obviously a decorated war veteran, actor... Singer-songwriter. I mean, this guy sounds like he is the all-American man. Yes. Now, despite all of this, Murphy was basically broke. Really? Yes, despite all the fame from World War II, despite all of his movies, the westerns, TV shows, songwriting, everything, he was broke. Because he became hooked on prescription drugs. Oh, jeez, okay. He was a gambling man, and he was a womanizer. He also had involvement with various business schemes that caused him to lose a lot of money. Gotcha. Hundreds of thousands We're of dollars. We're talking like get-rich-quick stuff, kind of? Not really. Um, the biggest one was an oil company he tried to invest in that just fell through. Gotcha. But it was okay. hundreds of thousands of his own money. That's crazy. That so he did make money, and lots of money. it, he just wasn't smart with his money. Exactly. Okay. He was in MC Hammer. Gotcha. He, you know, made tons of money, blew it all. That's crazy. Didn't Ed McMahon do that also? Uh, I'm not sure. Do you know who Ed McMahon is? No. Okay. Star Search? So, when I was a kid, Star Search was like the original So You Think You Got Talent or whatever okay. it's called. Okay. Where they would take anybody that you think you had a talent and you'd be on there and you'd play okay. and they'd give you stars based gotcha. on it. So, it was just like uh, American America's Got Talent. Got talent. Yeah. And then what's the big one with the singers? Like American Idol? That one. Okay. Yeah. It was like that. Okay. It had Ed McMahon instead of... I bet you if I saw a picture of him, I, I would know. Typical old white guy. Okay. Looks kind of like Bob Barker. Okay. So by the late 1960s, Murphy's many setbacks left him completely bankrupt. Now, he had offers coming in to do cigarette and beer commercials. Okay. One of which would have completely cleared up his debt and all of his back taxes. Marlboro Man? Yes. Was it correct? Well, it, it was a, a cigarette company. Didn't okay. say which one. Okay. But he had an offer that would have paid him over $558,000. That literally would have paid off all of his debt and all of his back, back, back taxes. Wow. But he refused to do it. And he refused it on principle. He claims, how would it look? War hero drinks booze. 
I couldn't do that to kids. So he did, he wanted to set a good example. He didn't want these kids who were looking up to this war hero, this killer of Nazis, this yeah. bringer of freedom and peace. Oh, he's smoking cigarettes and drinking booze. He didn't want that to be how he was portrayed. He was really unfortunate. I feel like that's that's something that I wish stars and people in the limelight actually would do today. Oh, it's totally lost. There now. are some. There's. I, I can guarantee you, there are some that have turned down roles and turned down things because it wouldn't look good. But I feel like it's all about the buck these days. Yeah. Who can? Who who cares who's sponsoring me as long as I'm sponsored? Who cares what role I'm playing as long as I'm playing a role? But I I, I can respect that. that I can is- respect what he did. There's not a lot of celebrities I like. I I very much dislike pop culture. But if I could see anybody doing this, it would be one of two people. It would be Chris Pratt. I was just going to say that. Or Keanu Reeves. Yep, I could totally see that. I, I really do think they're two people that care. Mm-hmm. Or Lindsay Lohan, I could see that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Miley Cyrus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. We're back. How was your break, Nick? It was good. good. Got me Blast. some bubble water or sparkling water, as the adults call it. <laughs> I like bubble water. <laughs> <laughs> it's just what my wife calls it, and I've adopted it. That's good. It's good to adopt things your wife has. Yes. <laughs> so we're going to move on into his love life, which there's not a whole lot to say about him. He's different than most of who we cover. Okay. So he did marry actress Wanda Hendricks in 1949. Okay. Very boring, very bland marriage. Nothing very really came of it. They had got divorced just two years after. Oh, wow. Now, four days after their divorce was finalized, he married former airline stewardess Pamela Opal Lee Archer. Wow. So was there any connection of those two while the first two were married? There had to have been. Okay. But it didn't say anything about them intermingling or anything before. Gotcha. So I'm sure they knew each other and there was a fondness there. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't find anywhere that said he cheated on his wife. Okay. That's insane. Four days after. Four days. But I guess I guess if you find love, why wait? Hey, yeah. Now my wife would punch you because I waited seven years to propose to her. <laughs> And she's like, why wait? You're right. Why wait? Seven she, years? Seven years. Well, okay. Time out. You started dating when you were, what, 15? Yeah. So you were, what, 22? We were 22 when we got married, yeah. Okay. Totally different story there. It's okay, but if we met at 18. If you met at 18, that'd be four years. Okay. How long did you and Bethany date for? We dated for, before we got married, we dated for two and a half years. Okay. We were also older, though. We got married at 26. Is that 20? Yes, it was right before I turned 27. Okay. So, I mean, I went through a lot. You literally dated pretty much, or you married pretty much the one person you dated. Yeah. The the one person I seriously dated. Right. Yeah. I had seriously dated a lot of women, and I knew what I wanted at that point. 
And so I, it only took me a year and a half or two about two years to realize, okay, I want to marry this woman. See, and I just fought it. I didn't yeah. want to be the guy that got got. Okay. So I totally fought it and fought it and fought it until I realized that I'm going to lose her yeah. if I don't, you know, put a ring on it. <laughs> so, you know, I liked it, so I put a ring on okay, it. Okay, good. <laughs> but, yeah, she she hated it. She would have married me the first year. That's we could have gone back to 1800s, and I would have married her when she was 15. She'd have <laughs> been happy. <laughs> oh, that probably wouldn't have been good. No, 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 no. I, I died of dysentery. Like Oregon Trail all the time, so I don't want to go back there. So he had two sons with Pamela Opal Lee Archer. His sons were Terry Michael and James Shannon. Now, the second marriage didn't work out either. Okay. But it wasn't dissolved. Okay. So they stayed married till the end. He says he didn't want to leave his boys without a father like he had when he was growing up. Makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Stay together for the kids kind of Exactly. So he had the garage fixed up to be its own house essentially and he lived there from the outside it looked like they were the perfect family he said quote somehow i've held on to the house we never told anyone people didn't know i never got further than that garage that's crazy yeah so obviously they didn't let people into their house well yeah and if they did it was just into the main house not into his garage hotel or whatever you want to call it did he not have a lot of friends no, Murphy was very much an introvert. Okay. He wanted to be with himself, loved his boys. Okay. He's father of the year over here, but not a outgoing guy. Yeah. So his first wife, that was actually a bone of contention with him, is she's a Hollywood starlet, essentially. She wants to go out mm-hmm. and go to parties. Yeah. And God bless him, he did it. He went out and yeah. went to parties with her, but he hated it. So the entire time, he was just loathing inside right, right. So can you imagine you know what Bethany likes and doesn't like right. there's things you love that she hates exactly can you imagine taking her to those right weekly that'd be so bad like yeah and and I get it because Bethany is an introvert and I'm an extrovert so there are times where I have to like not do something or we don't go to that event because I know she does she's not going to enjoy it and vice versa she'll go to things that it's like I'm going because I love you, babe. And it's like, okay, cool. That's fine. I don't mind. But I'm not going to take you to everything. But now multiple times a week. That'd be horrible. It's too much. Yeah. Murphy was, I don't want to say the original, but he suffered from PTSD and he was such a huge person in the military. Mm-hmm. He made an impact with it. This is the most decorated soldier ever. Okay. And he has PTSD. At this time when no one wanted to talk about it. So after his return from the war... He was plagued by insomnia, bouts of depression. He had nightmares that were related to all the battles that he fought. And this surprised me because when you first start reading about him, you're like, this guy had no fear. Mm -hmm. This guy was like he was wearing a bulletproof skin. Right. Nothing could hurt him. And then he comes back and you realize that we're all just scared kids inside. Of course. And this had an effect on him. He's this huge, big, brave man. Now he's back home and he's having nightmares about this. He can't sleep because of it. His wife was alarmed that he slept with a captured Walther beneath his pillow. So he captured a Walther pistol from okay. one of the Germans okay. and he kept it loaded under his pillow. Oh, that freaked me out. Once he pulled it on her, when she startled him awake. That would be freaky. Oh, 100%. And the reason I say that is I don't think I would ever let my wife have a gun or a knife next to her bed and the reason for this 
and she doesn't have PTSD. This is I. He's on a whole different level. She did marry you, <laughs> but she she very frequently like sleepwalks and sleep talks and like she's punched me before like and things like that. And it's like, what if she just grabbed a knife and whoa, bam, like so. How freaky would that be? I could totally Dude, get where his wife's coming from. I was going to say, Amanda has punched me before. Mm-hmm. Like, full-on closed fist punched me. Yeah. And she says to this day she was sleeping. Yeah. And I believe her. Yeah. But, I mean, it was closed fist, punched me in the neck, and I woke up, I'm like, what the crap? Yeah. <laughs> she's like, what? <laughs> Craziest one. And this one, is, this one was super freaky. So, every once in a while, she'll... Bethany will wake up and, and do, like, these really weird things. And one time, she she shot out of bed, and she like stares, and she's like staring past the TV, almost like like she was looking through the wall, and she's like, "There's blood, there's blood everywhere. It's all over the wall," and oh then falls gosh. right back to sleep. And I'm like, "What just <laughs> happened?" And so that's yeah, it's it's insane. Uh, so Mandy, you'll have to tell the story sometime, but she said that I woke up one day, sat straight up in bed, looked at her and told her I was going to kill her over muffins, or brownies, <laughs> something like that. And she's like, uh, and she said it freaked her out. And mm-hmm. I just laid back down, went right back to sleep. Yeah, Sleep is crazy. It, it really is. You heard about the guy that killed his wife when he was asleep, right? No. He got off. Like he was acquitted. Because it was sleepwalking? Yes. Oh my gosh. So I'll have to look it up. And How do you again. prove that? I don't remember, but so. Maybe it was somebody assaulted a woman in his sleep. Because I want to say that part of his court mandation was that he had to alert any partner that he had that he's done this and that to all these women he's been with. Wow. I'll have to look it up. Okay. Because of all this, Murphy became dependent on the prescription drug Placity. Now, this is a pill that's used to treat insomnia, and it belongs to the class of miscellaneous anxiolytics, sedatives, and hypnotics. Okay. So this is not Tylenol. <laughs> Doesn't sound like it. He himself became aware that he had an addiction to it mm-hmm. in the 1960s. Okay. Because of this, this guy locked himself away for a week by himself with nothing and nobody to detox. Holy cow. And he did it. That's incredible. You've never smoked cigarettes. No. Well, not as a habit. Right. That was the hardest thing in my life for me to quit. It took me years to quit. I can't imagine being addicted to a pill Mm -hmm. and just being like a week, I'm done with this. I'm going to detox myself from it. Right. I I could barely quit caffeine. Right. Well, and I bet you, I mean, that was very simply put the way you just put it. I bet you it was withdrawals, and I bet you it was a hell of a week. Oh, absolutely. Total hell on earth. Yeah. Anybody who's ever quit anything can say that, especially yeah. when you're addicted to a medication. Yeah. But he did it. He locked himself in a room for a week and just said, I'm done. I'm not going to be addicted to this. After this, he realized there was a problem. So he started speaking out about his experience in order to draw attention to the suffering that veterans of the Korean War and the Vietnam War are suffering mm-hmm. over PTSD. He urged the military and the Veterans Administration to recognize this disorder in order to help those struggling with the same thing he struggled with so much. Mm -hmm. In one of his interviews, he said, quote, War robs you mentally and physically. It drains you. Things don't thrill you anymore. It's a struggle every day to find something interesting to do. 
And that's just absolute depression. Mm-hmm. I mean, 100%. Yeah. Now, one of the lowest points in his life came in 1970 when he was charged with assault after he beat up a man and fired a shot at him during an argument at a bar. Oh, wow. He was eventually acquitted. Okay. And his defense was basically, if he wanted to kill him, he would have done it. Yeah. And let's be honest, with his history, it seems quite clear. (laughs) Now, was it one of those... Was it caused because of his PTSD and he just flipped and saw red or like what? No. So he was at a bar with a buddy. Okay. Words were exchanged. The guys didn't like each other. A fight ensued. He won, pulled the gun out, and shot it. Okay. Nothing real crazy. I mean, obviously it's crazy, but no conspiracy. It wasn't anything. It was just he got in a fight. Mm -hmm. This did affect his image negatively with the public. As it should have. Yeah, of course. You know, because this war hero is now waving a gun around Going at people crazy. after a bar right. fight. Shortly after this, Murphy's life came to an abrupt end. May 28, 1971, in a fiery plane crash in the Brush Mountains near Catawba, Virginia. Murphy had chartered the plane to take him and a few others to check out a potential investment opportunity at a factory that made prefabricated homes. He died at only 45 years old. Wow. Now, years later, his family would be awarded $2.5 million in damages because the plane ended up crashing. Mm-hmm. But 45 years old, I just, it seems like such a short life. He did so much. Right, in 45 years. But it just seems like such a waste because he had finally quit the pills. Mm-hmm. He was helping other people. Right. You know, yeah, he got in a bar fight. It happens. Right. But he was. Trying to better himself still. Right. And just for it to end like that seems so sad. Which is crazy, too, because he f- it felt like he was invincible. There are so many other times so many other times in his life where he should have died. Yeah. And he dies this way. It, it's just so... It's just sad. You know, it's... It's, it's almost it's ironic. It really is. It's just the same thing with Steve Irwin, though. Right. You know, you mess around with huge alligators, crocodiles all the time. And a stingray gets you. Mm-hmm. It's like the same thing. Right. I love Steve Irwin. That's not a shot of him. Love him. But it's just so sad. Yeah. Guys killing Nazis left and right. And you know, he, he dies this way. A plane crash. So overall, Audie Murphy is just the epitome of our show, I think. Mm-hmm. He came from humble beginnings. He served his country. He tried to do what he thought was right. Even if it didn't benefit him. Even if it harmed him. Yeah. He did it what was right. Right, in, in multiple times. I mean, we're talking it within war. He also turned down a boatload of money because he did what was right, which is incredible. Yeah. Stayed with his wife because he wanted his kids to grow up with a dad. Right. So some people argue against that. It seemed amicable. Mm-hmm. They seemed to be okay with yeah. it. And he did it for his boys. Yeah. Or, you know, my opinion, I think kids are better off with a father in the picture. Oh, 100%. Now, granted, he had his issues with, you know, gambling, addiction, depression, rage here Mm -hmm. and there. Yeah. (laughs) But he kept striving to be something. And his mark is forever on our nation and our world. Really, it is. It's impossible to know just how the world would be different without his contribution. But I'm positive that it would have been worse off had he never been born. Of course. Or never made the decision to join the Army. Right, right. So that's Audie Murphy. 
I mean, give me some thoughts. What do you think? Well, first of all, I can't believe I've never heard of this guy before. I mean, he's decorated, most decorated individual in all of the U.S. You know, in US history. But it makes me think, we always get to see the people behind the chess pieces, but we don't ever see get, get to see the actual chess pieces. In this case, you know, like the Dwight Eisenhowers and all that, you see these people that are the masterminds and kind of the, I don't want to say puppeteers, but they're the ones behind the scenes. But we don't get to, we don't get to meet and we don't get to know the people that are in the trenches and actually doing this incredible stuff. And the ones that, I'm not saying that the Dwight Eisenhowers and the George Washingtons didn't change America or didn't change our world. They 100% did. Absolutely. But we, we neglect these people that are in the trenches and doing the everyday thing that have truly changed the world. Yeah, the little people that right. put the work in. Yeah. Exactly. And you never Hey, if he wasn't here, maybe we wouldn't have won the war. You know, you never know. It's just crazy that he's such a small cog that we don't get to learn about in this big machine. And that's true. Now, he killed over 240 German soldiers. Wow. Now, that's just German soldiers. That doesn't say anything about Italians. Mm -hmm. That was only Germans. Mm -hmm. So... 240 people is a lot of people. It really that is. That totally could have turned the tide in one battle. Mm-hmm. And that one battle could have turned the tide of the war. Right. You never know. Yeah. So he definitely had his place. Of course. Of course. And you wonder if he would have gone past 45 years, if he would have lived past 45 years, what he could have done. You know, maybe he would have been this well-known humanitarian, or maybe he would have run for office and we would have you know, learned about him. Now, can you imagine that man running for office? That's the type of person I would vote for in a heartbeat. A hundred percent. A man of courage, honesty, mm-hmm. integrity. Right. I think he would have been great. He'd be a horrible politician. <laughs> he would be a horrible politician, I think, but he'd be a great person. Of course, of which course. does make a horrible politician. <laughs> you know, ethics. Yeah. So, yeah. So, that's Audie Murphy. I'd love to thank my mom for turning me on to this. I, I can't believe I'd never heard of him before. Yeah, and I, I really now want to watch, you know, any documentaries and... I want to watch that. What was it? The to Hell and High Water or to Hell and Back? To is Hell the and movie. Back, okay. 1955. Okay, we'll have so to. I actually am really interested in it. Also, yeah. So I kind of want to get the book too. Okay, but yeah, the movie for sure. Oh yeah, no, I, I'll have to get both of them. So that was Audie Murphy. Please let us know what you think. Yeah, hook up with us on our various social media networks. So we've got uh, Twitter. We've also got a Reddit. We've got Instagram. We've got Facebook. Honestly, the easiest way, just search for Humanizing History and you'll probably find us with Twitter. It's under Humanizing Pod, Reddit, Humanizing underscore History, Instagram, Humanizing History, and Facebook is Humanizing History as well. You can also always email us at humanizinghistory at gmail.com. Yep, yep. And please get on Anchor and send us a recording of our intro. And we'll love to throw you on the beginning of our episode, just like you heard Elsie. One thing I, you know, I think something I really want to start, and since it's going to sound bad, Reddit. I'll go on Reddit and just read things, but I never created an account. Finally created an account today. I think it'd be really cool to start some conversations with everybody and just everybody hop onto the, hop onto the subreddit for humanizing history. I would love to just get conversations going, get to know you, talk about our, our various topics I would love to hear what you guys think on this and have conversations because I learned so much today. I 
And I want to hear what you guys learned as well. Of course. I'm constantly on Reddit. That's just about the only social media that I, you know, happen to enjoy. And yeah, give us your opinions on who you want to hear about. Because this one, like I said, my mom posted me this idea maybe two weeks ago. And I said, yep, I'll put it on the pile. And after the whole dictator debacle, I decided to pick up, you know, Audie Murphy. And it's fun learning about people you don't necessarily know about. This one is Audie Murphy... You heard about it for the first time from your mom last week. Marie Curry. Yeah, heard about. It. I mean, I knew I knew the name, didn't really know who she was. My wife told me about her. I had a ball learning about her. So yes, if there's somebody that we may not know or that is kind of obscure in history, let us know. We love to learn about them. Absolutely. Please go on iTunes and give us a review. Yeah, because the only ones that have reviewed it so far are people who belong to the show and their family. <laughs> so. Please let us know. We The only way we can get better is if you tell us what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong. Right, right. Please do. Nick, what else do you have to say? So, I had a great time tonight. I learned so much. But I am excited for next week and everybody tune in. Got a little uh, special recipe that I am uh, cooking up for who we're going to talk about next week. It's your little hint. You can try to figure it out. Anyway, I'm excited for next week. Until then, love each other, be nice, remember your history, because those that forget it are doomed to repeat it. Have a great night, folks.